Hello, welcome to the Sheffield Board Gamers podcast. Uh, this is episode 34. My name's Rick. I'm joined today, today by Lizzie. Hello, Lizzie. Hiya. Hello. And we've also got a special guest on as well, Paul G. Hello, Paul. Hello. Happy to Hello. be here. Thanks for coming on and talking to us. We're going to talk about a couple of games that we played recently. We are going to talk to Paul about Netrunner. He's quite been quite involved in the Sheffield sort of gaming Netrunner scene, as well as board gaming and things like that as well. He knows all about the game. I've, I've played it a couple of times. Have you played it, Lizzie? I presume you've played it a few times. Yes. I've I, I, yes, played it a couple of day, times, yes. like as a as a beginner, but I've not got into the deck building and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. Paul's, Paul's our expert on that side of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but before all that, I just wanted to have a quick chat about the Geek Retreat that's opened in Barnsley. Uh, oh, right. So you might have seen these sort of, there's a few of them dotted about. There's one in Leeds, I think there's one in Wakefield, but Barnsley's got one now. I don't think there's one in Sheffield yet. Not I'm aware of. of. No. Yeah. Um, it's basically like a gaming room, like a gaming area, a space that you can play any kind of games, really. There's a bit of a cafe, like where they do like food, like really simple food, like burgers and pizzas and things like that, and coffees. But it's not really a cafe. It's a bit of a, you know, just a, a kind of open space, really, to, to, to play a game. So we went down last, uh, was it a couple of weeks ago, I think, for opening day on a Saturday. And it was quite busy. There were quite a lot of people there. There were people role playing, people playing card games like Magic and Pokemon, things like that. Uh, we played a few board games as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got like a little bit of a shop as well, so they've got like bits and bobs for sale, so some D and D stuff for sale, uh, a couple of board games, a couple of like the popular ones like Pandemic and Tickets Ride and stuff like that. Um, so they don't have a, like a massive selection. They've only got like a handful of uh, handful of board games in right. stock. Do they have a library? Like that? I believe so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can you can take your own and play there. I right. think I think it's like a franchise. I think. Um, yeah, I think that's right. I've, I've heard about them. Similar. They're a bit hit and miss. Some of them are really good, and some of them mm-hmm. maybe not not so much, depending on who's running it. And they, they can be quite different. Uh, yeah. the, the chain of them, but yeah, sounds like you got a good one. Yeah, yeah. So we uh, we we had some coffee and a bit of food and that, and played a couple of games. The other got a little um, little video game like section as well so they've got like an xbox and a one of nice. those little uh console uh what they call them? super nintendo you know the old one oh, wow. they've, yeah. they've got like a, one of those and like a few games and stuff so they had to <laughs> they got some uh, they got some kids on the games and they were making a bit of noise so they had to come over and turn the volume down on the tv because <laughs> we were trying to play board games in there it wasn't noisy or anything it wasn't distracting as it wasn't that loud but i think they thought oh because it's you know because it's yeah. only a day, we need to yeah keep the noise down a little bit. So they were they were good at that at, at that. But yeah, they were uh, they were quite. I think they're organising like regular regular meetups for things. So like certain days going to be role playing night, a certain game is going to be board gaming night. They're up, they're open during the day as well as like a little cafe, so you can pop in and have a drink and have a browse around what they've got. So yeah, I think they're becoming more and more popular. There's places like this popping up more and more over the place, like the cafes and the gaming shops and things like that. The they seem to be becoming quite uh, quite uh, widespread now. Uh, and then the other thing that I've been, I've, uh, I went out to see a customer. I, I work for a computer company. I go out to see customers. Uh, and I went to a place called Stockton on Tees. It's near Darlington. And I went to train this customer up on how to use his computer. And just around the corner, there's a board game shop, which was really good. <laughs> I didn't even realize it was there. Um, <laughs> called, called Beanie Games. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. I've heard of them. They do yeah. tournaments, I think. Yeah, yeah, they do all sorts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've, not, so, I've not been. It's a bit far north for. Yeah, yeah, it's quite quite a long way away from from yeah, Sheffield. Yeah, but um, 
yeah we uh like i popped there and we're doing a break and sort of had a wander around then there and talked to the owner and stuff and he showed me around it's quite quite a big shop we've got like a big shop uh, uh on the ground floor loads of stock and loads of games and things uh, again all sorts in there they've got like role-playing stuff magic stuff but predominantly board games uh mostly board game stuff and then upstairs they've got like a massive huge room a bit like the patriot games one you know that big uh, space they've got now kind of similar in size mm. to that apparently it used to be a nightclub so it's right. like a, a big kind of ballroom thing but obviously they've got tables and chairs and stuff set up there and then they've got like a little they've got a library as well uh with loads of games in so you can, they organize uh, gaming nights as well but the, the weird thing is that at the end of the uh, at the end of the room is like a bar like an old 70s style wooden bar uh, just oh, yeah. like Christmas and pop and like a coffee machine behind there but obviously at one point when it was a nightclub it was like a, <laughs> quite a popular <laughs> bar with all the beers and everything behind it so <laughs> it's a bit of a weird space but yeah apparently it's been there quite a while but I think he said he's been open about nine years now um right right but it's a yeah it's a it's quite a big place it's huge upstairs it's got a, a massive room up there um so if you're if you're in the area if you're kind of near Darlington out, out, out that way anyway it's definitely definitely worth visiting a pop in yeah worth checking out so should we uh, should we chat about some of the games that we've been playing recently then? Mm-hmm. So I've played one. And this is one that I played at the Geek Retreat in Barnsley on the opening night. Uh, this is a game called Cascadia. So I don't know if you've seen this already, but um, the Spiel GRs have just been announced through, basically within the past day or so, and Cascadia is the uh, the winner for that. I don't know if it's the Kenner Spiel or if it's just the regular Spiel, but they're like the popular kind of award. Uh, ceremony that they have, pick a family game and then they're more advanced game for the uh, for the sort of advanced yeah. board, board game at yeah. Cascadia. I think there's a family pick. So it's kind of it's kind of a tile lane game. You've got uh, a stack of like hexagonal tiles and these have got land types on them. So uh, like rivers, um, mountains, deserts, that kind of stuff. So there's a stack of those and also there's a bag full of animal tokens. And what you do is you put up a line of uh, hexagonal tiles uh, randomly and then with each one there's an animal token that comes out of the bag and the animals are like bears and hawks and salmon and things like that on your turn you basically draft one of these pairs so you take the hexagon and the animal that's with it that are not necessarily related related they're just drawn out randomly from the from the two groups and then basically you're building up your own area and the different animals will score different types so you can only put certain animals on certain land types. So obviously the fish will only go in rivers. Bears go on certain kind of land types as well. So it's kind of a juggling act of putting the right tile in the right place to expand your areas and then putting the animal that you've got in the right place uh, to score points. So like the uh, salmon, for example, they score points for the longest line, so like the longest connected line. Uh, the hawks, I think don't need to ch- touch another hawk they score if they're not touching another bird uh, so there's various different scoring methods for each of the uh, e- each of the animal types and also the land types as well is a bit of a bonus for the uh, biggest area of land so if you've got like the biggest mm-hmm. sort of water area you get a bit of a bonus as well and there's also a couple of special abilities as well where you can like pick up a tile and pick up the animal that's you know not matched with it things like that it, we played a three-player game and it took probably about half an hour 40 minutes something like that so pretty quick to play the tokens are really nice the um uh, the tokens for the animals are like in a bag in a cloth bag and they're all like wooden tokens with the animal printed on it uh really cool yeah i really appreciated that they were 
actually wouldn't in the retail edition. I remember looking at it thinking, oh, that yeah. might be some sort of Kickstarter thing that I can't get. And then it'll be annoying if I just got crappy little yeah, cardboard cop, tokens cop in the back. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't feel very nice. But the, the wooden ones, it, work, it works really well. Yeah. Putting them out of a bag, it, it, it feels feels much nicer than cardboard. So. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the overall production is really nice, isn't it? The yeah, art, it's really the nice. The artwork's good. great. Yeah, it yeah. looks really nice on the table. It's really yeah. easy to teach. I think it might be one of the few games that I've actually played one, two, three, and four player and all liked right. them at all player counts. It was, it was. Oh, fun. There's, a, there's a solo mode as well. You can play it single yeah. player. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. It's okay. Basically, yeah. a basically a beat your own score. No, I think mm. that there's a campaign actually. As well, where you've got right. certain objectives in the in the back. I haven't actually had a look yet. I've only played it basically how you'd normally play it, and just seeing how high a score you can get. But I think that there's a campaign of like objectives to beat, and work, working through them. So yeah, pe- people do play it solo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've I've, I've played it. I played it with loads of people. I've all really liked it. I played it with a friend of mine who came over from Copenhagen, and he went home and bought a copy oh, right. away <laughs> to play with his his uh, partner. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a really um. It's a great gateway game. I'm really glad that it won. Yeah. Builders, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. It's 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 a great gateway game. It's great for everybody. It's yeah. like a family family it's, style weight game, isn't it? That, that yeah. we really like. Yeah, yeah. 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 Ex- exactly. And I feel like it's a nice length. But the mm. thing that I really liked playing it was it always sort of all of the scoring opportunities always felt like oh yeah I could probably get that I could mm. probably make a line here I can probably fill that in with what I needed. And at the end of the game, some of them come off and some of them don't. But it, but it just, they all felt quite tantalisingly close, I think. And that kind of made it really fun. Yeah, it's a really nice balancing act of trying to juggle, trying to trying to get a, like a big area of bears together, but also trying to build a big river or something as well. Mm. Like trying to mm. gauge how much is that going to help me and or whether I, whether that will that will be more important. Trying trying to sort of juggle different things at the same time and trying to make the best of it. You're not going to get everything to work. Sometimes you just have to uh, yeah. abandon something and say, "Oh, this I'm just never going to get get yeah. enough fish. <laughs> it's not happening. <laughs> I yeah. give up and build something else instead and go for something else." But there's always something you can do. Yeah. You have to feel, oh well, this is just completely ruined. Like if this doesn't come up, then yeah. it's the end yeah. of my game. It, it never feels like that. It's yeah. always it's always something that you can get some points out of. Yeah. So that was uh, that was Cascadia. Yeah, pretty good game. Uh, have you guys been playing any any games recently? Uh, well, at completely the other end of the spectrum, I I played Ark Nova recently, oh, uh, yeah. which is mm. big on the the hotness on Board Game Geek at the moment. Which was very long. I think it took somewhere between three and four hours for mm. for four players. But uh, it's definitely worth play. I definitely recommend it, especially if you like terraforming Mars. It's very much in that vein of sort of mm. getting cards, building a tableau. Though in this case, it's a zoo, and you've got a board of hexagons, and you can build new enclosures basically, and trying to gather cards uh, of animals to put in those enclosures, which will get you money essentially. Mm. Uh, the more animals you've you've got in your zoo, you'll you'll earn some more money. But then you've got two tracks, so you've got money track. Your money track is one of the scoring tracks, which is going around the board, and then going in the opposite direction, uh, similar to Rajas of the Ganges, if you played that, which is also a great game. Um, uh, no. the, the other track no. is your conservation rating. So, sort of, one side you've got how much money you're making, and the other way around you've got sort of how good you are at um, saving animals and stuff. Mm. So, you want to go onto both of those tracks, and when you're 
two tracks cross over and meet in the middle, that will trigger the end of the game. And then whoever's crossed over the most wins. So you're trying to juggle sort of different things. You're trying to get animals into your zoo and mm. earning money from them, but also trying to basically make sets. It's kind of kind of a set collection that uh, if you've got a lot of reptiles, then there'll be a scoring card for reptiles. Or if you've got a lot of birds, then there might be a scoring card for that. And depending on how many of these you manage to get, you get more points for it. So mm. if you're trying to juggle sort of different different things at the same time, it's definitely it's definitely enjoyable. Um, I'm not sure it felt very much like building a zoo. I think that's <laughs> <laughs> my major criticism. It yeah. felt like you're building a tableau. It didn't really feel like particularly building a zoo. You don't look at it at the end and think, right, that's what I built. You're like, yeah, I got a load of points. But, um, it's interesting though because there's surprisingly quite a few zoo building games aren't there i'm, I'm thinking yeah. of kind of yeah. all of you know um the, the and there, and all things that are similar so aquarium building or things like that so mm, yeah. um it's it's a theme that seems to have been done a, a a fair bit i guess i don't know how it how it compares but it sounds like it's a little bit less thematic perhaps mm, yeah it's definitely on the on the drier side of of that kind of <laughs> that kind of game, I'd say. I haven't played Baron Park yet, actually, which is on mm. definitely on the family end of the uh, the zoo spectrum. But mm. it's on my shelf, and I haven't got around to playing it yet. But um, yeah, that's, that's I, I, it was a while ago that I played it, but I remember that was that was pretty fun. And yeah, as you say, on the on the lighter end. Mm, yeah, the main criticism I have against it really. Uh, I guess it's also the randomness. It very much depends on what cards you get. We were actually house ruling it so that you have some control over what kind of card you get. Because if, you, if you're trying to go for a certain kind of animal, if you've, you're building a lot of uh, aviaries and you've got a specialist who's really good with birds, so you really just need to get as many birds as possible, your game very much depends on just how many birds you happen to get. You can draw mm-hmm. cards off the top of the deck and maybe you'll draw four cards, but if none of them are birds, then, <laughs> well, sucks to be you. So that that can feel a bit bad. Um, and in, in the game, there's there's no way of mitigating that. We, we sort of split up the pile, so into a pile which is mostly animals and a pile which is mostly specialists. So if you you can at least go for if you really need animals, you can do that. But there's still no control over what kind of animal you get. So in a game that takes that long, there's a little mm. bit too much luck for my taste in sort of what you can end up getting. And it can just feel like the game's just just not going away if you don't get the cards that you need and there's nothing that you can do about it did, did you play this with uh, sam yeah that's right sam. yeah the sunday yeah. session yeah i saw i saw sam yesterday at the club and right. he had some words to say about it right uh, i don't think he was very impressed yeah yeah it, it does yeah, seem quite long for the kind of it. yeah it does seem quite long for the kind of game that it is that's what put, puts me off yes. a little bit i'd, I'd like to try yeah. it but I, I don't think i'd yeah. like to sit there for four hours playing it no, you, you can definitely play it at lower player counts, though. Mm. It would be, and people play it solo, and it, I don't see why it wouldn't work at two either. Mm. So I think that's probably the 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 end of the spectrum to go. I don't think it's right. really a four player game. It just takes longer yeah. for no particular benefit. I think it would work better. I think um, originally Terraforming Mars had that same kind of issue. People said that was a bit too long, and then right. they brought out the expansion, which was uh, Prelude, I think, and it gives you a bit of a start up at the start of the game and makes it. A little right. bit shorter because you've got you like instead of starting from the ground, you're starting from like the second floor and you're mm-hmm. kind of building up from there. So 
maybe an that, expansion that would make will make it better or something you know, I'd be something shocked out. if there isn't an expansion <laughs> any minute now uh, yeah. coming out which fixes a lot of the issues I'd be amazed if they don't do that there's, there does seem to be a popular one though I've seen a lot of people playing it and a lot of people yeah. uh, rating it quite highly as well even because yeah, even yeah, though you know we've, we've talked about some of the issues of it perhaps they've you know it's a, a good enough game that people don't mind those kind of things Mm. Yeah, so. yeah, it'll be interesting to see if it stays there or if people get tired of it after a while. It'll be interesting yeah. to see. I'm definitely yeah. glad that I played it, mm. but I'm, I'm not in a hurry to go and buy it and play it again. Yeah, but yeah. Definitely happy that I gave it a go. Uh, what about you, Paul? You played any games recently? Yeah, I played a couple. I, I, I It's funny, I tend to end up playing a lot of... Um, campaign games um, and a lot of legacy games and just started another one recently so this is sort of my opinion after having only played this once but we started to play um, a game called The King's Dilemma uh, which came out a few years ago I think Mm. and uh, it's by Horrible Games and it's uh, well it's a little bit different from the kind of game that I'd normally enjoy I think it's much more of a thematic sort of negotiation not negotiation in a really kind of hard euro gamey negotiation kind of way but mm. you know trying to do backroom deals and favors and and that kind of thing almost like some of the politics in something like twilight imperium mm. but the the idea of the game is uh you're each playing as the head of a, a noble family and an advisor to the king so you, you you're kind of you've got this dual role of trying to advise the king on the right course of action and do the right thing for the kingdom whilst also trying to promote your own family's interests above everything else and what's sort of interesting in the game is that's represented by there in the um ongoing campaign you get two types of points um, so you get points that effectively reflect how well did the kingdom do and how well did you guide the king. And you get points that reflect how well did you do for your own family. And at, when you start playing the game, like we did in, in game one, you don't know how those points are going to stack up against each other when you come to the to the end of, of, of however many games of this you're going to end up playing. Mm. So depending on major decisions that you take along the way will affect how valuable those different types of points are um, which i think is sort of quite an, you know kind of going into a game without being totally sure how someone's going how the winner's going to be determined at the end mm. um i guess is quite interesting i mean and, and the kind of the meat of the game really is you're faced with a series of dilemmas so you've got a bunch of ongoing storylines and they'll present you with dilemmas and effectively you talk about them and that they'll kind of give you a hint of what the consequences might be of taking one decision or the other. Uh, but of course, there can sometimes be other consequences that it doesn't tell you up front, but maybe mm. you can figure out by <laughs> the context of what the story is. Mm. And then it's, it's more or less um, a series of, of votes, really which sounds like it might be quite dry. <laughs> um, and, you know, the game we played, there were probably only, I don't know how many dilemmas we got through, seven or eight maybe. But it's all quite interesting. And, and the consequence of 
vote might be that you go and open up another envelope which takes the story in a different way so there's within uh, the game box there's i don't know how many envelopes maybe mm. almost a hundred or something wow. and so it kind of branches out to say well if you did this <laughs> then now go and get envelope five and then you're going to shuffle those cards into your kind of dilemma deck of stuff that can come up so it doesn't mean that it's going to come up immediately and there's multiple storylines kind of playing out at the same time mm. but it kind of so far uh, after one game it felt like it was giving us quite a satisfying story and we were starting to see the um uh, the kind of uh, results of our decisions coming back and, and having you know knock-on consequences and and the person that leads each vote, so the person that kind of puts the the most of their influence into a vote, it, it kind of is the person who signs their name to it. And sometimes that's literally a sticker goes on the board of some effect that's happened and they sign their name to it. Mm. And that has an effect then in the next game to say, well, if something bad happens because of that decision, that's the person that's going to be blamed. Or if something mm. good happens, that's the person that gets all <laughs> of the credit for it. So I'm interested to see how it plays out, but mm. it's see, so far it seemed uh, re- really interesting and quite different from a, you know, yeah. there are some mechanics in it, but it's really much more of a kind of talky and, and story-based game. Mm. It, does, it does look really good, this one, and I've, I've thought about picking it up, but the other thing that puts me off a little bit is that it's uh, three-player minimum. Yeah, um, and, and I think in reality... The, the the kind of the, what what I got told was it's really best with five. We're playing it mm. with four, but right. I think it's it's three player minimum. But also, it probably you want to play it with with as many people as you can muster. <laughs> yeah, it does look interesting. Yeah, is it, yeah, is it replayable? Uh, you put all the um, probably not because of the game. not because of the stickers. I think is the thing. Right. right. So no, the, I mean you can you can sort of undo things if you mess stuff up. It, what I quite like is it's actually got slots in the insert. So when it says you know get rid of this card, you just post it through the slot, and it's kind of underneath the insert, and all of those cards are dead to you now. But of course you can go and find things. Right. And, but but I don't think once that's, once that's a good re- idea. Then over times in legacy games, you get yeah. cards everywhere that you're not sure. Oh, is this what's what's this yeah. is this gone? What? So that's that's good. They've just definitely gone. <laughs> yeah, they they actually did a really nice job with the insert because they've got that slot to put your dead cards in that you know that are out of the game, and then they've got various save slots to say, right, this is where your current dilemma deck goes. Put it in this save slot. Uh, yeah. and this goes yeah. here and this. So they've actually put a bit of thought into when you pack this game away, do it like this. And then when you come to unpack it, everything's kind of in the right place because you've got all these ongoing storylines and everything that you need to put out. But yeah, I don't, I don't think it would be replayable because you are, you know, peeling stickers off and putting them on the board and scribbling on them and stuff. So yeah. probably you're only going to be able to play through it with, with one group, I think. So uh, Netrunner CCG, this is um, uh, a bit of an old game. It's been out for a while now. Paul's you're going to tell us a bit, a little bit about it because uh, you're more of an expert. I've only played it a couple of times, so I know kind of the basics of it. But what uh, what what's the history of it, Paul? What how how did it start off and where did it come from to start off with? Yeah, so uh, it, I mean it, it's it's an older game than people even realise. That so it, it's come, gone through a couple yeah. of iterations. So it came out, Netrunner came out originally as a collectible card game in the 1990s, which I think was sort of, there was, um, after the release of Magic the Gathering, 
there was kind of a huge boom in CCGs. Yeah, there were and, loads uh, of them, weren't there? There were just yeah. loads of them for Lots, any property yeah. you could imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Going, oh, this is a great idea. Right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, well, this seems it to be a way money. to make lots of money. So yeah. we should, yeah. Yep, and so yep. there were CCGs <laughs> for every property that you could imagine. Um, but but I think maybe one of the things that made Netrunner stand out, the original Netrunner, was that it was designed by Richard Garfield, uh, who is the designer of Magic the Gathering, as well as uh, many uh, board games as well, King of Tokyo, and uh, I don't know, lots and lots of board games. Um, so it, it had a pretty good and pretty uh, unique design, uh, which meant that I think it, although it didn't last that long as a collectible card game, uh, I think it caught people's attention because it played a little bit differently. And, and as a collectible card game, of course, like Magic the Gathering, it, you have card rarity and you had blind packs. So in other words, when you go and buy some more cards, you don't know uh, what you're going to get. And, you know, there are rare cards where you have to buy lots and lots of packs to get those or trade with people or buy them off eBay or whatever. Yeah. And, and then lots of common cards that you end up with lots of. So that was kind of in the 90s and it lasted a little while. And then in 2012... Uh, it was kind of rebooted by Fantasy Flight Games. So they took the, they licensed the mechanics from Wizards of the Coast for Netrunner, but they kind of made a lot of changes. And in particular, they put it into their Android universe setting. So they've got the Android board game. I don't know whether they'd made any other uh, games in did the Android universe. Did that exist before Netrunner? It did, yeah. Android, Netrunner. Uh, yeah. That, was that already a thing when Netrunner came along and it, they used yeah. that world rather than, than making it for Netrunner? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, the Android board game came first. I think Netrunner might have been the second right. one, and then they released a few other games as well, and they did a role-playing game. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, they went from the CCG model to the LCG model. So this is the model where when you buy um, a set of cards, you know what you're getting. So in other words, uh, if you want to own all of the cards, you just buy all of the sets and then you've got mm-hmm. them all there's no rarity there's no uh, trying to track down that that elusive really good card <laughs> that's <laughs> going to make your deck amazing so they, they they put it in that model they introduced some other good good kind of features um things like factions and, and and other stuff which kind of made deck building a little bit more interesting i think than it was in the original uh, game and they ran the game Uh, basically from 2012 until 2018 Uh, and they stopped publishing it in 2018 because the licensing deal with Wizards of the Coast for the mechanics came to an end and I guess for whatever reason um, they they didn't make an agreement to continue so it was kind of felt that the game um, would end in 2018 Mm. but actually the player community the fan community of the game sort of quite astonishingly because this has been tried for various other games decided to try to keep making the game in other words making new cards commissioning artwork producing sets running tournaments all of those things that you know fantasy flight have been doing for the game and um yeah this organization which is called nisei has been doing a really good job um of that they've released now two full um, I suppose you could sort of say two full sets of uh, cards. They released a, a new product for beginners last year, and they're just about to release um, the the start of their next cycle um, this week, actually. So 
they've i mean obviously the pandemic slowed them down a little bit in their um production but to say it's a a fan organized and run community the um quality of what they they've been producing has been absolutely outstanding and they're at the point now where um shut up and sit down have sort of uh done a big video about this is a great time to start playing netrunner with the nisei stuff they're starting to get stands at uk games expo and pax and uh, various other board game conventions so it, it feels like they're kind of starting to really um uh, break through uh, and and you know tell people um that netrunner is still going uh, which is good so that's your history lesson in Netrunner. <laughs> Maybe I should explain what the game is actually about. Yes, please. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's uh, and Lizzie, you, you can chip in because you you were the person that taught me how to play Netrunner, right? Uh, back in it's true, it's true. Twenty sixteen yeah, or something. Yeah. Um, Whatever it was. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, that sounds, sounds about right. Yeah, because I'd I'd been playing it well, for a year, maybe two before that. But yeah, I grad- gradually reeled you in, and you would get there. <laughs> <laughs> then, uh, it didn't take long and cracked basically immediately and went and bought it all didn't you yeah i mean we we played one game i think or maybe two games and then i yeah i was yeah. online trying to buy all of the sets basically <laughs> I, I didn't buy everything at once but over the course of the next six months I, I think i was sort of buying almost like a set every week just to try and get all of the cards yeah uh, yeah i just immediately fell in love with it really um but yeah it's a it's a two-player card game and i guess what's unusual compared to a lot of um other card games is that it's asymmetric so you've got uh, it's set in a cyberpunk future one of you is playing as a corporation trying to advance your various um agendas and trying to do whatever you're doing so you might be uh, has bioroid and you're trying to uh uh, convince the world to buy more of your biroids or you're trying to do some efficiency research or maybe you're trying to do something a little bit murkier uh, and then the other player is playing as a runner uh, and they're trying to basically hack into the corp steal their secrets tell people what's going on tell you know tell people about um all of these terrible things the corpse doing or perhaps they're just trying to steal stuff because they're criminal and they're just trying to make some money or perhaps they're just messing around and trying to see you know what what they can find out by by hacking into these corps so you've got all of these different corporations to play as these different runners or hackers to play as and they've all got different motivations for doing what they're doing they've all got different abilities of course but there's quite a lot of theme and narrative behind you know what what each of these people in these universes is, is trying to do um the, the game itself takes anything from a few minutes up to maybe an hour if you had a really long game but i would say on the whole maybe it's about half an hour to to mm. play a game something like yeah. that on, a, on average yeah. yeah i would i would say so and um yeah each side plays completely differently as, as the corporation you're kind of installing your cards and building up your board so you're putting down valuable assets that maybe are going to make you money or they're going to do something for you you're trying to um advance your agendas and you're trying to protect everything with ice which are particular cards that try to stop the runner getting in and getting to all of your nice stuff and as the runner you're assembling all of your your hacking rig all of your tools um to be able to bypass the corpse defenses basically so it, it, it's completely different on each side um and and again the way that the board builds up is kind of very thematic 
uh, and very literal the way that the cards play out in front of you you know you have a server okay that's represented by a card that's protected by some ice uh, some sort of countermeasures all right that's represented by another a, a card that you put nine, at 90 degrees in front of it so kind of literally showing right this is protected by that mm. um and you kind of uh, yeah build up a, a board that, that kind of looks quite interesting and quite cool when people walk past and will sort of say oh what on earth's going on in this game yeah a lot of, a lot of the ccgs that came out in the time in that time came follow the kind of same magic kind of way of playing in that you get like a person who's running everything and then you get monsters that you can mm-hmm. cast and spells and things like that this is completely different isn't it it's like two different mm-hmm. games that you're playing basically yeah. together think, like asymmetrical games it did so well it was it just it, it, it looks so different it wasn't just a reskin of magic mm, which a lot yeah. of them were it was really trying to do something uh, completely different and and really interesting and there, there's still nothing really like netrunner at all try and think of any other sort of asymmetrical card games like that so yeah. the original so sets, it's pretty the, it's pretty the, unique the, the original sets the one the ones that came out uh, back in the 90s are they like separate from the ones that came out in 2012 yeah like, exactly yeah, so so the '90s stuff, you know, some people still play with it, and the cards are knocking around, but but it, yeah, it's not really compatible with the stuff. Right. The stuff from 2012 onwards, the Fantasy Flight and the Nisei cards yeah. are all kind of compatible with each other, and there is quite an active tournament scene. So there's lots of you know local tournaments, and then you know national championships. So the national, the UK national championship is actually going to be in Sheffield this year in November. Right. And then you have European Championship, World Championship. So there's, there's sort of, you know, varying degrees of sizes of, of tournaments that people play in. And for those tournaments, there's sort of a, a, a particular group of cards that are legal at a given time. And as new cards get printed, some of the older ones drop out. So uh, same sort of thing as in Magic and other games. because mm-hmm. you don't, So you don't end up with just an ever-growing pool of cards. But of course, if you're just if you just want to play the game at home, you can just whatever cards you can find. Maybe you can find an old Fantasy Flight Corset. You can play that. You can mix in some Nisei cards. You can you can do what you like. They're kind of designed to be compatible with each other. Yeah, indeed. So is I there, think it's is, one of the sorry, special things about Netrunner that it's it's very much it works well both ways. It works really well as a like a, a game to play at home with your partner. And it's also a really good tournament game. It sort of it doesn't have to be one or one or the other. Either way is a perfectly legitimate way of playing it. And, yeah, um, I, yeah, I, it. yeah, I definitely agree. And and the new Nisei sort of intro product, um, which is called System Gateway, has kind of been designed as a, a a kind of really easy way to get going. So if you want to play it more like a board game. Then it just comes, it says, okay, here's a runner deck that you start with, here's a corp deck that you start with, just play those against each other. And you could happily do that. And, you know, that's a game. Um, mm. But then it also comes with some extra cards. So then you can, if you want to, you know, you can try try adding these cards, try swapping some out, try sort of, you know, some different strategies in your deck and try playing in different ways. So even within that beginner product, you can sort of, you know, uh, play around with stuff and try a few different things. And then, of course, if you buy other sets, then you've got lots of other options to play around with. But but I think it works really nicely as a product on its own that you can just yeah. pick up for £25 or something like that. And, you know, it, it's effectively like a nice two-player board game. Mm. 
yeah, it's a, it's a really nice introduction to the game. I think it's much better than the Corsa, to be honest. The, cor- the Corsa has some issues. I seem to remember it being really unbalanced towards think, the Corp. Is that right? Or It was very I, hard. I there, were some, there were some decks which were just terrible. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that that that's that's absolutely true. I, I think the Fantasy Flight Court, it, the Fantasy Flight Court had more cards in it, um, but it was much harder to learn the game from it. I think because yeah. because it didn't yeah. really have here's two decks that will be nice to play against each other and teach you the basics. It was just like eh, yeah, and they're not trying to do anything fancy. It's yeah. mostly mostly economy, which is the main. Yeah. engine of the game really you you can't get anywhere in netrunner without without your economy sorted so the the uh the, the nice course set basically just te- teaches you that how to do the basic things how to do how to, how ice works and how to use that well and how to break it with icebreakers and stuff and it doesn't really use any of the really janky cards so no. it's a really nice sort of straightforward mm. here you go just this will work yeah. <laughs> So, so you mentioned the, uh, the the tournament scene and playing in tournaments, and that Sheffield's going to host one uh, coming mm. up soon. How, how does that work? Is it like a prize for the runners and a prize for the corporations, or do you kind of play one and then play the other side and well, get points? Yeah, or how does it's, that it's work? In, yeah, it's interesting because again, this this is where it's different from other games because when you play a tournament round, you actually play both sides. So one tournament round, you sit mm. down against your opponent. And you you're going to play two games one after the other. So you you know you play as your runner, they play as their corp, and then mm. you pull out your corp, and they pull out their runner. Uh, so okay. yeah. um, so you get and and then the way it works is each game is worth three points. So if you win one game each, both when you run a game, then you finish your round and you each get three points. If you win both of your games, you get six points. And so the tournament structure is usually you play Swiss rounds, which is quite common for lots of uh, tournaments. So you end up playing against people of roughly similar skill as you go through the day, people who are doing about as well as you are. And then there'll usually be a cut to the top four or maybe the top eight people who then play uh, double elimination um, uh, you know, towards the end of the day. Um, so, uh, you know, and, and depending on the sort of uh, level of the tournament, can be anything from you know a handful of people playing a really casual games night kit up to uh, worlds the last world i think was maybe 250 people or something oh, like that yeah. so hmm. yeah some quite sort of big big tournaments and yeah, yeah nisa are doing good price support so play mats alternative versions of cards tokens you, you know the world champion gets to design a new card uh, that, that's going to be in the game all sorts of kind of fun stuff so yeah i mean it's not like you get huge cash prizes like playing magic but yeah. but you know the, there's kind of fun things that you get to play within your future games which uh, mm. you know keeps us going i guess and, and and if you want to play casually if you just want to play like a friendly game or if you want a bit of practice is the like regular sessions somewhere that you can go to yeah, so for people here in Sheffield, um, we have a regular uh, Netrunner meetup on Friday evenings, and we've just uh, we've just moved that, so we're going to start meeting at Patriot Games mm. uh, Friday evenings. And there's there's sort of you know meetups all around the UK and uh, around the world. And the best place to look for those is nisei.net, so N-I-S-E-I.net. On there, you'll see all of the Nisei stuff about their products, but there's also, if you go to the players section, you'll see there's a community link, 
and mm. that's got lists of various meetups in, in different places across the world. Probably not completely comprehensive, but but hopefully uh, you can find somewhere kind of um, near where you live that, that people are meeting up and, and playing. Yeah. Uh, and there are various, um, you know, social medias, Facebook groups and discords and all sorts of other stuff. But you, you can kind of find links to a lot of that on uh, on the Nisei website. So, it's, you know, hopefully it's not too hard to find other people who are who are playing the game near where you yeah. are. And uh, and and your kind of the, the decks that you like to play, are they, are they kind of themed? Do they have like a... Uh, you know, like in a magic game, you've got like it's a fire deck, so you get loads of sort of attack cards, or it might be white, which is like lots of creatures. Do, do they have kind of themes like that in there? Yeah, you're building your deck. Yeah, you have. Yeah, so so you have different factions. So for the corporations, that's literally the different mega corporations. So you play as different divisions of them, and they'll right, try and yeah. do different sorts of things. So um, there's Wayland. Which are, are basically their, their kind of construction and banking and all sorts of things, but they will um, uh, they like to they're they're pretty blunt. So if they see that you're hacking into their servers, they're, they're going to send the boys round with baseball bats or may, maybe uh, you yeah, know, pretty direct weapons. Yeah, yeah. they're yeah. they're going to they're going to get you pretty direct. Whereas uh, Jinteki's yeah. a little you bit make more lots about of money and punch face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jinteki's sort of about mind games and a bit of shell games. So they put they'll put out traps. So if you you know think that they've put something in their server that you want to get, might turn out that it's going to be something that's going to backfire on you. Um, so so lots of people like that kind of style of play where you're kind of putting out three cards and saying, well, which of these do you want to come and take yeah. a look at, runner? Uh, the the stuff that I like. I think is um, the MBN faction, which is kind of news and and broadcast, um, and they're kind of about tracking the runner down. So there's a mechanism called called tagging, where you know the yeah the runner's going to break into their servers, but they've put some uh, some honey pots or something there, and they're going to figure out where where the runner is and make their life miserable in a in a variety of ways. That's that 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 I quite like. And then on the runner side. You have you've got kind of three factions which are more defined by why the runner runs. So you've got the criminal faction, which is they're out to make some money, so they're going to steal some corp secrets and sell them to the highest bidder or something along those lines. You've got the shapers who like to just tinker. They want to build. They want to see if they can penetrate the defences. They want to see if they can get in. And then you've got the anarchs who, you know, want to kind of burn stuff down and they want to, uh, I mean, they're kind of an interesting diverse faction because they've got, you know, pe- people in that, different runners that do it for different reasons. So you've mm. got you've got journalists um, uh, and all sorts of people in there. But yeah, they're, they're going for a very direct approach if they just want to bring the corporation down, right? Uh, they want to expose all of their bad deeds. It, it, it sounds like it's one of those games that you can kind of play uh, just like as a casual player, just pick, like you say, pick up a deck and play it, or you can get more involved in the kind of deck building and tweaking yeah. your deck and getting, you know, the perfect kind of synergy of cards. Is it is it is it like a deck limit? Is it like a deck of 50 cards or 60 cards or something? Or can you have as many as you want? Can you have duplicate cards? Yeah, so so the deck building rules, the each of the um, identities that you can play as, so the different corporations, the different uh, runner identities, mm. they will specify a minimum deck size, but there's no max size. So you can make 
I mean, you know, you can stuff in as many cards as you as as, as you want to make a, a a giant tower of cards if you want. And actually, one of the decks that's been quite successful so uh, quite recently, typically the minimum deck size on the runner side has been about forty five cards. Right. Uh, but we've seen decks with sort of sixty or seventy cards in on the runner side doing quite well recently, which has been been quite interesting. Um, and, and then in terms of copies of cards, you, for most cards, you could include up to three copies of, of any card in your deck. Hmm. Um, so, uh, and, and then there's also this, this idea of influence. So, for example, if you're playing a runner in the criminal faction, you can, incre- you can include whatever criminal cards you want. And there's also neutral cards that you can include. But if you want to start including cards from the Anarch faction, well, each of those cards costs a certain amount of influence. So let's say if you want to include some cards, they might be two influence each, and you've got a maximum of 15 influence from other factions that you Uh can include. So it makes deck building interesting because you're not just looking at the total pool of cards and saying, I'll just have whatever I want. Mm -hmm. You, You kind of got your faction cards but you quite often want tools from the other factions because mm-hmm. the factions are all good at particular things. And so you want to make a rounded deck and you might need to go and get something from the shape of faction or the, the Anarch faction and put it in your criminal deck. So that, that makes the deck building interesting because you have mm-hmm. got these constraints on um, on what you can include. So that, that, that kind of makes it more fun. And that's one of the, the kind of things that Fantasy Flight introduced that wasn't in the original game. The original game, there were... Um, no IDs, there were no factions or anything. You could pretty much just build from from all of the uh, the cards, and there was also no limit on how many copies of things you could include. So decks would just be sort of ten copies of this, twelve copies of this, fifteen <laughs> copies of this. They were very consistent, and it kind of made. I think by the end, when people really knew what they were doing with original Netrunner, made it a bit boring. Yeah, but where, you could build where, yeah. Some, yeah horrible decks to play yeah. against. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So so I think that was a, a yeah. good change that they made for sure. Yeah, I really I really like deck, deck construction. It's something I've got into I guess not not so much with Netrunner, it was more when I started playing the Lord of the Rings and the Arkham Horror LCGs that I really got into deck construction as a sort of as a hobby in itself really, sort of sitting mm. sitting and tinkering with decks while I'm eating my lunch. I spend mm. a lot of time doing that. It's really fun sort of putting something together which is completely off the wall and rubbish most of the time but it's fun to build it um yeah anyway and just see if it see if this could possibly possibly work but um if, if really, it sounds overwhelming really that there's a i just wanted to point out that there's a there's a great resource on the internet called netrunner db uh, where you can look for decks and if you don't want to do the deck construction yourself you can yeah, just yeah. if you want to play a particular id you can look for it on netrunner db and look for decks that people have already made and put them cool. together yourself and, and play with you don't have to do it yourself yeah so that's really useful yeah. yeah and i would say that the that the community is pretty uh welcoming and generous as well so even if you don't see something yeah. on a db if you're able to talk to somebody either in person or you join one of the online communities people are always really happy to share their ideas and sort of share deck, yeah. deck yeah. ideas just they've want, been want some advice of yeah. What sort of cards should I be looking at? What would be useful in this deck? Mm-hmm. Do you have any sort of input, that sort of thing? Then yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, the the last thing I wanted to mention was the yeah. um how to get hold of cards, which can be really confusing mm. at the moment. But it but it doesn't need to be. You can use old Netrunner cards. 
but um, if you can get hold of them, but they're quite difficult to get hold of them. At least some of them are. Um, but you don't you don't need any of that at all. If you just go to the NISO website, you can buy their cards directly from from their site. You can just purchase them, and they'll be printed out and sent to you. Right. But there's also the option of print and play. Mm. I'm back on back on this bandwagon, <laughs> um, which is actually amazing. It's much better than I was expecting it to be because not not only can you just download all of the cards. But you can build a deck on Netrunner DB, and now there's a website where you can put that deck into it, and it'll put it all into a very nice PDF format for you, which you can just print out. So you can just print out a deck. You don't have to get yeah. all of the cards and mess around making a load of stuff that you're never going to need. Uh, you can just print out exactly what you want, and it's wow. amazing. But you can never you can never do that in the in FFG <laughs> world. But um, one <laughs> no. of the perks of, of Nietzsche is that actually makes life a lot easier, at least certainly yeah. if people, people want to do print it, it and play. Does, and, and the other thing <laughs> it's is... It's very and, convenient. And it, it's super convenient for playing casually, and it's also completely legal for all of Nisei's tournaments as well. So they, they make yeah. printing out paper proxies is, is absolutely fine. You know, if you want to play in a tournament, just sort of put a magic card or some other card behind it so that it's not too flimsy, just being a bit of paper. Um, put it in a sleeve and yeah that's that's absolutely fine so it's, it's super easy to get into and super super easy to try out uh there's no real sort of overhead you can just uh start off quite small and then as yeah. you want more cards just get a hold of more yeah. cards but you can hmm. you can start really small and then uh, give it a go I guess all I'd say is it's a really good time to get into the game right now. Yeah. You know, um, in-person play is starting up again uh, after, you know, some a couple of years of, of mostly being online um, with the pandemic and people are really excited to play. So there'll be lots of lots of tournaments and, uh, yeah, come to UK Nationals in Sheffield. Uh, it's going to be a good time. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, okay. Well, uh, thank you very much for joining us, Paul. Thanks for coming on and telling us all about it. It's been uh, It's been great talking to you. No, you're welcome. It's been fun. Good. And Lizzie, thank you for joining us as well and giving us your input. It's been good talking to you as well. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, We've been the Sheffield Board Games Club. Uh, Thanks for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode. Bye for now.